welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. Uh, should be a pretty quick little episode tonight. Nothing really went huh. on this weekend. Um, nah, so we'll get quiet. footy tips. We'll do over the results from each of the games and we'll get out of here. Anything <laughs> from you, Jared? No, no, we've got to get this done quick. <laughs> Sweet. And luckily the NRL is the most boring com in the world and nothing happens outside of the field or on the field. Shouldn't take us too long. So... Let's get straight into tipping. And with one round... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You, oh, you, only, you got three right this weekend of the four. podcast tipping, and I got five. I got four, thank you. No. Yeah, I did. Oh, yes, um, you got four. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. And we were being sarcastic before in that there's a hell of a lot going on, and this <laughs> will be a decent episode. So strap in and get ready for it. Round 24 tipping, a whole bunch of people got six, a fair few got five, and a fair few losers like myself got four and three. So sorry about that. Um, Guarantee you no one got a no one on the planet got a perfect round this weekend. No, most likely not. So the comp average was four this week, which is one of the lowest uh, that's been definitely in the recent rounds. So with that in mind, going into round 25, the last round, Ben Liner holds his lead. Oh, sorry picks up a lead of a point on his on 155. Oh, yep. Belly Bulldogs is on 154. And it's pretty much going to be between those two, I would say, unless something dramatic changes. Methodical Flamethrower and the underscore Irk both on 151 apiece. And Easy Rider 22 on 150. You'd say that they'd probably be fighting for third. So three and four point gaps, pretty big to pick up with one round to go, unless they go... Uh, against the grain on a couple and score a full round. Oh, the streak comp has the streak has come to an end. Uh, ben Liner finishes he Melbourne on thirty. Uh, so the longest one of the season is thirty. There is no way it's going to be beaten. So paraplegics, whose current is on twenty, even if he got a full round to get to twenty eight, Ben Liner will be the streaking champion which is probably a trophy we all want in our wall at some stage. So with a round to go, mm. our first, second, and third places are still up <laughs> in the air. That's fun. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate all compliments you throw my way. <laughs> um, where are we going to start? Mm. Like Hilarious. I, I went to the... I, I, I want to start on the Bulldogs game. And we'll talk about that later on because it was an amazing day and an amazing stadium. And another reason why I want Redcliffe to get the license just so I can go to that stadium again. Jared, do you want to say something? No, I want to start on something fun. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I didn't say so we start on I'm just saying it's out there. Local oh, yeah. Lewis is a dumbass. <laughs> Did he do something <laughs> in between all of this? It's so funny that this guy is... Fighting for his contract for next year, struggling to get in the team regularly. And instead of focusing on his game, he's going to steal NRL speakers and Bulldogs merchandise and try and sell it on eBay. Brilliant. Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing, mate? Like, you're on 450 grand a year. Is he? Yeah. 
And um, <laughs> he's taking he's, it while he can. He's out there flogging NRL merch. Like, mate, it's just insanity. I don't understand this at all. And as if the Bulldogs could not cop anything else. Like, that's, that was the last thing they wanted and this happened. Just well, you picked it, a perfect weekend to do it. I, I actually remember seeing some point over the weekend, someone's put out there, in between all this, are people going to forget that Lachlan Lewis stole NRL equipment and tried to flog it on eBay? Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't know how many people use eBay anymore. I assume it's still popular with Amazon and all that going on. That's probably why he thought no one's going to pick it up. You should no have put on country. Um, Peter Volandi's been scroll- scrolling through eBay. Oh, I recognise that. That's got my. That's got something to do with the NRL on it. It's got an NRL. I love it how where the uh, NRL stand to lose forty million dollars because of this relocation. Now it's forty million dollars and eighty bucks. What sort of speakers were they? <laughs> oh, they would have been high end speakers, but it just really depends what Lachlan Lewis has gotten for it. Um, if he was trying to rip people off or what, but you you just gotta shake your head at oh, some people. Like... Title: Wally Lewis's used speakers sold by. Who, who, who was the last one to do that? What, what was his name? The, he played for Pembroke, Pembroke Junior. Then he went to Gold Coast. He was a lock. Um, no idea. And he sold. He used to um, sell jerseys and stuff illegally. Um, oh, I'll get his name soon. Yeah, you look at that. I have no idea. Um, so that'll be everyone's lasting memory of Lachlan Lewis when he does not get a contract for next year. Uh, speaker boy, which is just brilliant. So. We are going to get into everything that went down with the roosters Rabbitohs game, but because that's going to take up a little bit of time, we're going to cover uh, other talking, talking points first. So we mentioned last week that they, the Brisbane Firehawks and the Brisbane Jets were looking at the, the possibility of combining their uh, applications for the NRL and becoming one overall uh, team. Now, they actually held their first meeting on Sunday. So it's the first time the two franchises have come together to hold talks about determining what the benefits would be. Now, to me, this is pretty much a point of no return in that some uh, sensitive information would have had to have been disclosed by both consortiums to show, all right, this is what we're at. Where are you guys at? What have you got? What have we got? Is it enough to combine? If it's not, you've just given the inside running to one of your two rivals, which is quite an interesting step. However, what it also shows is how worried they are of the Redcliffe Consortium and their bid. Yeah. So last week, all three teams, just to give you an update, made presentations uh, to a committee, including ARLC Chairman Vlandes, Commissioners Kate Jones, Megan Davis, Peter Beatty, CEO Andrew Abdo, Head of Football Graham Annesley, and CFO Richard Garden. Now... We know that from those meetings, the Redcliffe Dolphins have, what was it, $100 million worth of assets, including their stadium. Uh, I was there on the weekend. It's really nice. It's got a couple of things it needs. Its leagues club is huge. It's in a good area. It's got car parks, which not many NRL stadiums can say they have. And... Oh, cool. Oh, ANZ, anywhere. Um, Brookvale. Now, we got this. Brookvale's a backyard bloody car park it's got everything i mean they're fine 
back back streets and it, everything. But I'm just saying this one, like, we got back there when, smack it, on time. It's where the fifteen year olds learn how to smoke at Brookvale. Oh my god. Um, you haven't even been there. <laughs> Shut up. And so that's yeah, really interesting. Keep an eye on that moving forward. Um whether they miss out this time and think, you know what, for the next expansion. Um, whether we just start together and move forward because three teams in Brisbane wouldn't be horrible. Uh, really interesting to see where that goes. All right, we're going to cover uh, the Josh Morris uh, retirement uh, and the Morris Twins retirement probably on our next else? episode. Same uh, 25 preview. Yeah. Jared? Nope. Uh, I, was, I figured out what I was doing. Chris Greswell um, oh, got dude. caught yeah. selling jerseys on back. And then he and then he didn't deliver, so he sold a hockey dude, pocketed the money, and done a runner. That's and right. I do funnily that. enough, they so funnily enough that he thought he was going to get away with it, but he was selling his own jerseys, so they kind of knew who was promised these jerseys. And I really don't understand these blokes. Man, he was probably struggling to find anyone who would buy them to start with. Um. Now, an interesting little story that would have gone under the radar for a lot of people is Foxtel and the Channel Not and, and the Channel and Channel Nine have actually come together and complained to the NRL with regards to some of the digital content that the NRL puts out on their own website. Now, obviously, Channel Nine and Foxtel are the two broadcasting partners for the NRL. And part of that we talked about last week and how Channel 9 commentate, commentators and analysts and all that, they haven't had the best uh, product that they're putting out there. And Fox still have a big range of shows. Now, some of those shows are comedy-based, like Maddie John's show. Some of them are full analytics shows. On the NRL website each week, they release a number of shows. Uh, Jamie Soward's headline, headslo- headlines one of them with regards to what he thought of the round. Um, they do round previews. They break down each of the games. Um, they give stats, all this sort of stuff. Channel 9 and Fox have complained that by NRL putting that out there, it's actually taking viewers away from their products that are doing the same thing. So the NRL, as a result of this, has now stated that they'll be ditching their website panel shows next year, which are called NRL teams inside the NRL, and others as a result of pressure from Fox Sports and Channel 9. My take, the more rugby league out there, the better, regardless of what platform it's on. Um, I wonder if they're going to start getting up the NRL for putting highlights on Twitter instead of people trying to access them on KO. Uh, To me, it's a sign of Foxtel and NRL and Channel 9 being worried in that they're even combining to complain about the people and the company that they're showcasing. Oh, I don't know. That's a little bit what I, on my opinion. What I reckon this is. I reckon, so a couple of years ago, NRL signed this multi-billion dollar deal for Fox. What the NRL promised in return was the NRL press conferences. Uh, coaches press conference, sorry. Access to players, videos in the change rooms, um, exposing players at their most um, vulnerable. Vulnerable. In the shower. And you know what? Paul, Paul Camp has actually said 
on that fucking NRL 360 that the media played a lot of money for the NRL to be played. You players should respect that and let them into their lives. And they have a right to interview them and ask them all the questions that they ask them. And then on top of that, they spin the story. So I, I personally believe that the media is the top, one of the top two biggest issues in rugby league just because of what they do to the game. There's rumours around. They start shit fights among players just by, um, you know, the, the media release sources about this player getting transferred and this player hating this player. It, it happens weekly. Um, and if you cut all that out, one, you know, mental health for players will increase just because they're not exposed. Um, most famous one would probably be Darius Boyd for how he was treated after he didn't handle the media well. Um, two, you wouldn't have bullshit going on constantly about this, that, and the other. Like, it's just, it's an issue with rugby league. And that was part of, they, they got all this money to showcase, the NRL, sorry, got all this money to showcase. And they, they kind of sold their rights away for any player privacy or anything like that. And it's just, and the media, uh, what, what's come of this is that Channel 9 and Fox Sports dictate the NRL what they do. And that's exactly what's happening now because they threw enough money at them. NRL pretty much just said, yeah, you guys can tell us what to do. Um, and I don't see it ending well for anyone really. Um, when the media has that much control over a product like rugby league, it's just going to create a thing and they're not answering to nobody. Yeah. I, that, I can't I, see any, um, the big loser out of this will say is rugby league, not the NRL website, because it's always going to be there. It's the official website of the sport. For the people who do go there to access it, who can't afford pay TV, um, who don't want to get the same superficial uh, analysis from Channel 9, they know they can go to the NRL website and watch the games and hear analysis, et cetera, et cetera. If that's not there, you've now isolated those people who are fans of the game um, who don't want to support News Limited and all the whoever owns Fox Sports and all that sort of stuff. So the other side of it is if Foxtel and Channel 9 think they're losing numbers, clicks, views, make a better product and make people want to go there more than go to the NRL website. How about look at what the website's doing. If it's the one getting more views, um, try to replicate it and literally copy it because that's what media does anyway. So that's a little story that you might have uh, missed out on with everything else going on. So let's get to it, eh? We're going to start with Robinson's fine. Are we going to start with what happens? Does it make, I think it makes sense to go from the fine. Uh, this, this sort of prom- I was going to say go on start from start from start. So, um, Mitchell Mitchell lays out. Ra- no, Rabbitohs and Roosters ran in. onto the field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rabbitohs were let, 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 let's face it that the star power Rabbitohs had Roosters. Struggle to match it just because of their twelve million dollars sitting on the sideline, and it came and it come 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 to a heel where Joey Manu and you know this bloke 
gives 150% yep. every game. Like his stats are incredible. He tries hard. He's going to be a massive loss, took a run. And no matter how you swing it, um, this day and age, um, Latrell Mitchell hit him high in the cheekbone on a, with his shoulder. And you can see it's depressed fracture on his face. The part that got me, and this is the part I really felt in, uh, saw that was interesting, that it must have been bad, that where Joey Manu actually let emotion get hold of him. Like, I've never seen this bloke react. He has in the, been in the middle of a lot of shit just by being on the field. Never starts it. And yeah. I wouldn't say even finish it. He's more of a guy to calm everything down on the field. But when he loses his shit like that, like I, I just thought it was a, you know, a high hit originally. But the fact that Joey Marner reacted like that, that's when I thought it was bad. That's what got me. Um, yeah. And when, when it swells up like that so quickly, but you can actually see the depression in his face, yeah. you're like, holy fuck. And you know what? I, you call it a dog shot. You call it what? You hit him high. That's the reality of it. But I, I don't think Mitchell personally victimized him out of it. I don't think he did. I really don't see that he specifically targeted him to hit him in the head. It was definitely reckless. But I, I accidental um, with intent to hit him hard. It's not in the face. Oh, yeah, I'm confused now. So you said accidental, but with intent. That does make sense. Intent to hit him hard, like like hit hard, but accidentally got him in the face. Oh yeah, that's that's how like, it, 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 Mitchell always throws his entire body into it, and especially yep. in tackles. But I think he had intent to hit him really hard, but it's not in his face. Like that's how I saw that, and it was just and yes, then that's the hit itself. Um, I'm more. Yeah, so then um, Joey Manu teed off and he was really got into his face, which means... Why did he tee off, though? What led to that? Latrell Mitchell hitting him. him. No, I I don't think it's that. I think it's more the fact that the rest hadn't done anything and it was going to be play on. Or maybe just a penalty. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like, we're going to get to it soon, but he still got up straight after. Like, he got up Mm. and ripped in. He didn't stay down. Um, Which he, puts another highlight on players diving over the weekend. So, well, as a side note. But in the end, like, it, he was hit high with intent, with the shoulder. The fact that it took two minutes of replays um, for Ashley Klein to work out that, you know what, maybe this is more than a penalty. And then he just gets a sim bin. It was a send off. It should have been seen within 20 seconds of it happening. And what shitted me was with all the settling down and stuff afterwards, um, all Annesley's defense was, was that, um, yes, Mitchell should have been simbined, um, Send, I know, sent off. should have been sent off, sorry. But his uh, excuse was the fact that the person in the bunker has so much going on that you wouldn't be able to just pull someone off the street and get them in there to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. They've got stuff to do. But he said, it's more, it's not, they've got more than just helping out the on-field referee. 
they're monitoring audio. They're in some case talking to directors. They're looking at multiple feeds of vision. They're instructing operators to give them multiple feeds, fuck, yada, yada, yada. If it's such an important role, why are they making it so fucking complicated? And why are they got just referees in there? Shouldn't they just get someone who knows how to handle it and the referee can speak to them? Like the right side of referee can focus on the football? Yeah, exactly. If it's that. such an important thing, the NRL's got enough money to have another person. I know that they scrap numbers in there to try and save money. Um, but if there's a third referee, their job should be a referee not a fucking audio Director. and media producer. Um, they can just say, I want a view from this angle. Someone can do it. They yeah, shouldn't and- be doing it. They should just be helping the, the, the referee on the field going, he hit him high with a shoulder in his cheekbone. It's a send-off. Done. Yeah, and so, he, but here's the, here's the thing about it. And this shits me off even more because the whole time, this whole... Well, I'll, I'll go back to Magic Round. Head high, sin bin sent off. Um, that whole time, I was 100% in support. That Adam had an issue because they changed rules mid-season. Fair enough. But I, I maintained they had to do something to stop it. They've changed it again by the look of it. So. Yeah, well, there's high tackles every game. In Magic Round, they all got sent off. But I, I admit, I, I do believe it's been reduced. But obviously, they have l- lack it, lacked... Oh, I'm sorry. Lowered their stance on high tackles, which you add that all together, and this is what happens: that we got a guy the press fracture for the rest of the year, and old mate only gets sin banned, and then he scores what try and a try assist later in the game, and that proves to me that the NRL weren't overly worried about concussion; they were worried about at, at that period of time something potentially happening and trying to reduce it. They're more, but again, it's a fad and it proved wrong again. It, Do you think it, if he was concussed, he would have been sent off? Well, see, and it, it goes two back weeks to ago, the... two weeks ago, Ryan Madison got sent off for hitting Brad Parker and he was yeah. concussed. And this was, in my opinion, worse. 100%. And see, the, for me, the only thing you can compare this to was um, Fui Mayono on. Pappenhausen. That's the only thing you can compare how... Because in the, the Madis- Madison comparison. one, it was a tackle. Yeah, in the injury one, comparison. Was, yeah. Um, yeah. And so... And full, and that and that's created an issue in rugby league where you're getting penalties for absolute bullshit. Like... And... I, I hate it, but in the Newcastle game, Tino Fasimawali in the first 15 minutes got tackled and someone tapped the back of his head and slid his hand over the yeah. top. And he stayed down for a crack. Did, did you see that one? I saw the replay of it. I was fucking fuming about it. I sitting there like, mate, you're an origin player. Yeah. Get up. And then you got Joey Marno getting up from this. Like, the NRL, because they've put up such a hard stance and lessened it, the only way players are actually getting acknowledgement for high tackles is if um, they stay down. Yeah. But... On the other hand, that is the point of the bunker. And for me personally, if the bunker is not going to do their job for it, you're better off just going, you know what? I got hit high. I'm going to get up unless I can't, like 100% can't. And then the match review committee is going to get hold of it. But that doesn't um, help you on the day. That's the thing. But the, but that, <laughs> I know, but and but that it, it just shits me off so much. I don't know. It, it, 
the Fasamawali thing, like they're, they're so reactive. And I don't know what it is, but if you see someone, you know, get a basic crusher like Fasamawali was, yeah. and it's like the referees are like instructed to do it no matter what without thinking. Like if they just went, nah, mate, get up, there was barely anything in it. Everyone would be like, yeah, cool, but they got the penalty out of it. Like, can. Is, is it the bunker's job to go, no, there's nothing in that, keep playing? Like, I, I very rarely yeah. see that anymore. And the NRL are encouraging staying down, essentially. And it's becoming... Yeah. That's All a the negatives that itself. we're talking about this week, the NRL has put themselves in the position by something they've done in the past. I mean, you talk about the inconsistency. Uh, Manly Bulldogs game will get to Jay Simpson being put on report for touching Tapao's hair for two seconds. Um, yeah. Josh Alloy being Sinbin for salmon kicking in a tackle. Um, and yet they need two minutes of replays to work out that a guy with a depressed cheekbone, um, the other guy should be Simbin. Anyway, so that happened. Now, the fallout from this has been... And the fun started. Yeah, so you look at the Roosters now, right? They already have a decimated back line. They've now lost their best back line player outside Tedesco for the season uh, with a double depressed fracture of the cheekbone. And if you didn't see the replay that's come out, straight after the hit, there wasn't any swelling or anything there. A little bit in the eye, but nothing in the cheek. The trainer then came out. That's even worse. Got Manu to hold his nostrils together and then breathe out. That's when his cheek popped up because there was actually air escaping through the bones in his cheek where it shouldn't have and filling the um, socket of skin. Basically, it's ridiculous to watch. Now... From there, Latrell Mitchell gets 10 minutes in the bin, comes back and has a role in the game. Roosters are now further decimated. Um, and everyone's focus then was on the press conference, Trent Robinson's press conference. And I dislike the Roosters as much as anybody, but what I also do is respect them as much as I dislike them because they do do things very well, very professionally, more often than not. Their chairman, Nick Politis, pretty much went to Robinson, say what you want to say, I'll pay whatever comes our way, um, which is great to hear that he's got backing. After the press conference, Politis and Robinson were both in the hospital till 3 a.m. with Joey Manu to check that um, he was going to be all right. Uh, shows how much they care for their players. And Robertson teed off and he was 100% justified in what he said. He knows that his spot in the press conference is not to have a go at the officials, it's to talk about their game. But in this opinion, I think the NRL and their poor decision-making over a period of time has led to forced this. the hand of one of their most respected coaches to call them out by name and said, if you can't handle this job, find someone who can because the people doing it aren't doing a good enough job for the number one competition for this sporting code in the world. Like these should be the best in the world at their job. And it's weekly fuck-ups that are costing... That's the bunker, not the... It's the bunker. But it's also, like in this case, it's also the on-field refs. Like, Klein had access to those um, uh, replays as well. Like, if, no, the no, the that, weekend, that... if the guy on the weekend can put Joe Stimson on report for a hair pull that lasted a second, Klein could have... No, that put... was the bunker as well. That, that's what 
No, the hair pull big... wasn't. Sorry? The hair pull wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, not. Yeah, they pulled. It happened oh, yeah, two no, seconds. It, it wasn't. Okay, okay. So, um, and if, like, if he can see that, which is a non-issue compared to this, it's inexcusable. He, what did he end up getting? Like 40000 Well, he got $30,000. Um, the Roosters got $10,000. And Annesley's was saying that criticism doesn't match up to the reality in that they've undergone an avalanche of criticism due to farcical and ridiculous being not the right words that shouldn't be used. Um, It should have been more along the lines of, yeah, we got some things wrong, Um, but it will put some balance into it. And there's not one person in the world you can find that won't make mistakes. Or areas of judgment. Yeah, I know that. But seriously, this was so fucking black and white. Um, it's in, in the end, Robinson got fined 30 grand for telling the truth and talking about backing up his player and his club because the NRLs put him and other coaches in a position to do this. The person who fucked up. We'll get a slap on the wrist. He'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. The Rabbitohs weren't affected at all um, in the game, apart like 10 minutes. You look at the scoreline, weren't affected. Yeah, they're going to miss Latrell Mitchell for the next six weeks, but he's let his club and team down. That's a punishment there. But the person and the team who got the guy with the compressed fracture not only lost that player for the season, but then were fined for telling the truth. Yeah, and so... And Imagine if he actually, lied and made something up. There's actually more come from this. Um, so the background of this would be that, look, everyone knows that Cheryl Mitchell used to be the opposite centre to Joey Martin. Yeah. Back when they won two premierships in a row. Um, so they're really great mates. And Mitchell has apologised. Um, Manu's family has come out and said, Look, leave the bloke alone. He apologized. They're all blowing this up, which, you know, NRL, they, it won't happen. But yeah. the other part of it is that in the press conference, as Adam alluded to, Robinson teed off. And one of the things he said was, Mitchell needs to change the way he plays the game. He's doing this too often, yada, yada, yada. That's Number one press conference. Number two press conference, Wayne Bennett walks in and he gets asked about it and he gets, and the media trying to get a headline quoted what Robinson said to Wayne Bennett about Latrell Mitchell and looked, and Wayne Bennett had a, I think he just had, had kind of a fair, fair response to it. It goes, Robinson coaches players in his teams who have a very bad track, track record in the, Judiciary rights. I think he's uh-huh. mainly leaning to Jared Maria Hargraves in that. Victor and I was sitting Radley's there, I'm like, well, being brought up. Sorry, Victor Radley's name brought up as well. Yeah, so you know, like, I think that that response is as good as any in that circumstance. Um, but Adam doesn't agree. But Jared Maria Hargraves, um, this is actually turned into another step in the wrong direction for the Roosters as far as fines. So. Um, NRL currently investigating him. And this is what I go, this is what I said earlier about the media jumping in on too much. Um, a cameraman got way too close to Joey Manu when he's been walked off the field. Jared Maria Hargraves as the big fella in the teams um, 
swatted him away or however you want to put it. He's going to investigate it for um, doing undue damage to the cameraman, which, like, fuck you, cameraman. Get out of his face. You can, you've got zoom-ins from 50 metres away you can jump in on and you're trying to get two, within two metres of him just to see his face. That's crap. Um, and then Latrell Mitchell reportedly tried to say sorry to Joey Manu in the tunnel after the game. So go into the Roosters change rooms and Maria Hargraves and I think Angus Crichton and Victor Radley had some words to say to him during uh, why he was trying. So not only have they fined Trent Robinson for speaking out of turn in their opinion about the referees, but they're going to probably find Jared Maria Hargraves for what, what do you call it? Misconduct. Yeah. Um, look, we've oh, all yeah. oh, most people played footy, and when something like that, because I remember something like this happened in one of our games. One of our players got hit really late, and he actually had a depressed fracture in his forehead. Yes. And it ended in an all-in brawl. And I guarantee you. So, actually, sorry. What happened after that was it was about ten minutes before the end of the game. The game got cancelled. Ended up in an all-in brawl, and we had to sit with this bloke at 7.30 at night in a remote shithole called Kilcoy and wait for an ambulance to come get him. Tell you what, we did not get dressed. We stood around him until that happened. So once a game over and something like this happens, the emotion does not... Just disappear. Disappear. Um, That's a bad rate by the camera. Yeah, it was... Like I said, the media think they have too much power to get in these guys' faces when he's trying to walk off with a fucking depressed fracture. And the thing about these kind of injuries is, then I asked like the guy I, um, who in my team got it, he, he can back me up here. Um, you don't feel it when it instantly happens. You got no, so much adrenaline. adrenaline while you're playing that you don't feel it. It's not until you slow down. And as Adam said, old mate told him to like blow your nose and it popped back out. He would have felt it then. And then they would have spent a couple of minutes reassessing him. That's after the five minutes Manu was chasing Latrell Mitchell around the field trying to have a go at him. Um, so this is probably about 15 minutes after the fact that happened. He yeah. would have been in tremendous pain. This cameraman's trying to get into his face. Like, I don't blame so, him. Yeah, Argos, on, but he's probably on in that, trouble. It's like a couple of things on that and we'll move on. The cameraman going into there is the same as freaking... I'm going to use Steve Irwin here because we've been watching Crocodile Hunter. My kids love that, even though R.I.P. Steve well, Irwin. Um, if he painful. jumps into a cro- if he jumps into the crocodile's pen, the crocodile snaps him. That's on Steve Irwin for getting too close. Um, if you compare <laughs> Steve Irwin um, to the cameraman to the and, the crocodile, and the crocodile <laughs> to Jared Warrior Hargraves, obviously Hargraves is meant to have greater intelligent rider, 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 but the Cameron shouldn't put himself in the situation where the player has to make that decision. Jerry Warrior Hargraves will come out and say, yeah, I'll probably, well, I shouldn't have touched him, but with the emotion and everything in there, this is our arena. The media is there to promote and broadcast, et cetera. It's not their job to be in as part of it. Um, if someone stepped the line, there's only one outcome to this. Jerry Warrior Hargraves is going to get fined. The Cameron will probably get tapped on the pad on the back by his boss for getting in there and, getting the best shot and all that sort of stuff. And he probably he shouldn't have done really it, but I he shouldn't have done it, but I'm not going to uh, begrudge him for doing it. 
Now, the other half of it, Wayne Bennett's thing saying uh, towards Trent Robinson, I've seen this a fair bit on social media as well. If you're referring to Radley and Hargraves, I can't remember. Sorry, I can remember one, um, but it's completely outnumbered where if Radley and Hargraves do something stupid on the field and get suspended for three weeks, the first thing that Robinson says in his press conference was, that was his fault. He's now cost us and his teammates three weeks of that position. It was a stupid tackle and he shouldn't have done it. We're going to be the ones to pay. It's very rare that he's come out um, and call out the referees for a bad high tackle. And the other side of it is Radley's tackling technique is the issue. Uh, He'll get done for a chin, a shoulder, the chin or a lifting tackle, but it's within a tackle. Not to my knowledge, has he just run out of the line and shot someone around the face or done something like this. Hargraves is a bit more of a brain snap, but again, Robinson will come out and defend. We need Hargraves, we need his aggression, et cetera, but he has to toe the line. And when he goes over it, he serves the suspension and we suffer. So those saying... Robinson coaches his players to do the same sort of thing. I don't even think they're in the same stratosphere and no, and he calls out his own players if they screw up. Okay, so, so the end result of this was Manu's out for the season, which decimates the Roosters even more. And to be honest, like... Two teams took each other out, basically. If they're not... If they're not representative of the half-dead dude with no legs and only one arm and a pinky on the other one, on his hand, only... They're the black. They're the, the black knight in Monty Python. Oh my god! And you can't. You got to respect them. How they're how they're going. Like I respect them right now of what they've done and um, what they're able to do. Plus, and Adam finds this part hilarious. I I don't hundred percent. A lot of people saying maybe six a, a try to eight points. Um, gone out of their team with Mitchell not there. But yeah. Rabbits, a lot of people saying that Rabbits are gone. When you put Alex Johnson into fullback and move Josh Mansour onto the wing. That's not going to happen. Well, whatever happens, they've got... A, the biggest thing we've said about Rabbits all year is their depth and their outside backs. Yeah, They're, they're going to have a better quality replacement than anyone. Yeah. So... That yes, they're gonna struggle and lose a few points out of it, but out of all the teams to lose a star fullback, other than the Roosters right now, because I give full respect to their ability to adapt right now, and probably Melbourne. Um, Man, I, I consider, <laughs> oh yeah, I consider Mitchell as it more important to Rabbits than Nathan. Or just as important Rabbits as Nathan Cleary is to. Penrith as far as influence yep. ability to score points and if Penrith lost um, Nathan Cleary I completely write him off but I still have hope for South Sydney to go deep deep yep. in this comp just because of the depth they have the, yeah the only upside out of all this was Latrell Mitchell's decision has wiped out both the Rabbitohs and Roosters it's amazing how many people have now written off the Rabbitohs to be able to win the comp I didn't realize that Rabbitohs were a one-man team the same as Manly oh. so that was quite interesting oh. um anyway there let's move are. on so we're going to go on to some signing rumors there are some other official 
sorry, stories about the officials and that sort of stuff, but they're more game specific. So we'll do that in the wrap up of the games because this first bit's gone on for long enough already. So with regards to some rumours, Dragons look set to chase Eels edge forward Murata near Kore. Again, that'd be a pretty solid pickup by the Dragons. Um, I don't know how many players, like they, they've signed a fair few players already. Um, I'm struggling to see the attraction of playing for the Dragons and Anthony Griffin's head coach, but um, money talks, I assume, and so does minutes on the field. So if they pick him up, they'll have a pretty decent looking forward pack for next year. I don't think you can crack their forward signed. pack though. I'd say you like, would. Where, where does he go? You've got Josh Kerr over him, Tarek Sims, Jack DeBellin, Francis Molo. Different um, position. But that's my point. They've got they've got a starting forward pack already, and right now he's oh he would get a back rope. His, oh, you got Tariq Sims and who was the other? Oh, and they got Jaden Sewer. And Josh Kerr. Um, Josh, yeah. Josh Kerr can play prop or he can play bench. And Nia Corey might get a bench spot or him and Sewer and rotate that second edge position. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very I'm very surprised, uh, as you said, minutes on the field. I I, I rate this like really high, but... Um, That's still a good pickup. Str- if you have him at your club, it means it he's, is. he's not at another club. So It is if he goes there. I think... I think, was, I think it was purely on minutes. Um, he he'd do probably better somewhere else um, in the second row or lock wherever they're yeah. missing. You know, Newcastle are missing a lock next year. Nicore could fit quite well in there. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I don't think it's going to happen. I just like the chaos around it. But it looks like John Bateman may oh. there may be a small window for him to return to the NRL. So those are. Don't remember John Bateman moved back to England due to wanting to be alongside closer to his daughter, which makes sense. He was an absolute beast when he was out here. However, his partner, who's Canberra-based, is now homesick. So whether Bateman moves back to Australia and brings his daughter with him this time could be interesting. It says there is genuine interest from NRL clubs for Bateman to have a second stint down under. Well, no shit. He was freaking the best second rower or close to it in the comp while he was here. Oh, he got M second row of the year. So, yes, oh, there he you was. go. Um, he's still 27 years old, so he's in the prime of his career. And it could be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. So, look, 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 look. You need look, some look, money look. to be able to fit him in. Um, if Canberra didn't put a clause um, yeah, an entry. when he walked out of his contract, 100%. Two years or 18 months ago, whatever it was, to say that you are not allowed to return to the NRL unless you play for us. They definitely or, did yeah. that. Or we they had did that first to him. bracket signing you. And the fact that his yeah, partner's yeah. Canberra-based. They did that to him. They did that to George Williams. Yeah. They would do it to every overseas player. And you know what? I do not begrudge them of doing that one no. bit just because of the fact that They've had a horror run with these English players getting homesick. Yep. And which, which that, is weird because Canberra's cold and dismal most of the time anyway. So you'd be like, no, I'm being serious. It's the, the climate has is a, most a, like England. Yeah. Um, and even though Canberra's done a, a recent re sign of a lot of their youngsters in the outside backs, 100%, they would cut any player in order to open up space in the salary cap to bring Bateman in. Um, so, moving on from that, of they just signed Jordan Rapana. 
Yes, they resigned. Oh, I was going to still just go over rumours and stuff first, but anyway. <laughs> um, all right, that's all the last of my rumours. All right, let's go. <laughs> Normal signings. Off you go. You can start with Rapana. <laughs> just throw you under the bus. Yeah, so they re-signed Rapana. Um, look. So you deal. Look, this time, well, not this time last year, me and Adam last year went to Melbourne versus Canberra at Suncourt Stadium. It was, a, it was a thrilling adventure where Adam got drunk. We had to run about 5Ks to get to the game. We first, missed the first 15 minutes, but funnily enough, that game, that, well, you, I was driving, you're allowed to drink. So oh, yeah, you right. drank more than I did. Um, we missed the first 15 minutes of the game. And funnily enough, that was when all the exciting shit happened because Melbourne won it by then already. Yeah. But in this game... Jordan Rapana played in the centres, and we were oh, like, this bloke God. is never going to get re-signed ever again. Um, he he is not playing well, all this kind of stuff. And we started with the same opinion this year. Up until Canberra started to get a few injuries, and Rapana went to fullback for the last six or seven weeks. I believe after his efforts the last six or seven weeks, he has 100% earned this re- re-signing contract. I am being overly impressed with his efforts. Um, he's having a crack every single game. He's very safe under the high ball. And he's showed a few skills that um, I didn't think had in him. The benefit of this is that because he's at fullback, he's on the front line because he can't defend for shit. Nope. Um, but in saying that too, on the weekend when Canberra were playing, Bailey Simonson, um, well, dropped two balls and hurt his calf muscle and got taken off the field to treat his calf muscle. But I believe he was hooked. A lot of other yeah. people believe he was hooked. Funnily enough, they had Charles Nickel Klockstad um, come off the bench. They looked like a stronger team with Klockstad at fullback. But Rapana's a very decent replacement. Yes. And my issues with Rapana wasn't with him himself. It was the fact that he was being picked in the centres, which was the coach's decision. Uh, center and wing, while their center which are on the field, are very different in how their role is. Center is the hardest defensive position on yes. the game. Uh, wingers make very little decision with regard to defending. The center comes in, they come in. That's how they're taught to play. So you just follow the guy on the inside. And he's a winger, out and out winger, and has shown he's more than capable of um, covering fullback. If I was a South player, a South supporter right now, I'd rather Rapana be at my club so he can go to fullback. Um, as an option, as opposed to Johnson or anyone else they've got in their squad at the moment. Even though they do have depth, I think from what he's shown, he would be more capable um, playing there than the options they have. Now, the Knights have picked up Adam Clune on a two-year contract, uh, signed two-year contract with the Hunter Base Club to expire at the end of 2023. So he knew he wasn't going to get playing time anymore at the Dragons. Um, behind Ben Hunt and more than likely either Jaden Sullivan or uh, who's the other young fella to own? I'm not going to say his name right. Pilatu Amone. Um, so a little bit of half depth there for the Knights, who at the same time have said that Mitchell Pierce is not going anywhere. Titans confirmed the signing of Melbourne Storm hooker Aaron Booth for the 2022 season. So we're talking about the Titans not having a dummy half since Nathan Friend retired that's been there consistently at a high level and now they've signed another bit player so not that Aaron Booth can't turn into anything he just hasn't had the opportunity and obviously wasn't going to get the opportunity at Melbourne so could be 
a really low-key, decent signing for the Titans. We'll see how he progresses as a player. Uh, anyone else that we've missed? We talked about Jaden Campbell already. All right. I think that is um, pretty much everything we wanted to cover. We said we're going to talk about the Morris boys' retirements um, together on our round 25 preview episode and the other topics we're going to talk about within each game. So we're going to have a quick break after all this and come back with hard hits, injuries and suspensions from round 24 of the NRL season. Okay, as it is that it occurs pretty much every year as we get further and further into the season, injuries start to mount up and niggles become more than niggles and this year is no different. We'll get to injuries in a sec. We'll start with charges. All right, Matt Lodge is risking a ban of two matches for opting to contest his charge at the judiciary on Tuesday night. He was charged with dangerous contact over a tackle on Raiders for Joseph Tarpane. He could have reduced the ban to one match. He really wants to play the last round. He does. Uh, Seven other players this week have accepted bans, including Latrell Mitchell, who accepted a six-week suspension. If he had decided to fight it and lost, he would have been hit with a nine-week suspension. Um, So six and nine, nice. So he will be out for the rest of this season. Um, South announced that... They've accepted an early guilty plea also for Liam Knight, who will miss two weeks. I'm so glad Manly let this guy go. He just does not seem to learn his lesson. The difference is he doesn't have the elite talent of some of the others who continue to do naughty things. All right. He was done for a hip drop tackle that they were concerned, the Roosters were concerned they were going to lose Takiyahu over going forward. Luckily, that is not the case. Fletcher Baker accepted a ban of one match for a crusher tackle in that same game. In the Storm Eels game, Jesse Bromwich and Junior Paulo will miss a week each after submitting early guilty pleas. So they'll be free for the first week of the finals. Brisbane's forwards, Tom Flegler and Brendan Piacore have been hit um, with longer bans. Flegler's out for four games while Piacore has received a two-match sanction. So Flegler's uh, swinging arm. Hit was a grade three careless high tackle uh, and was a pretty straightforward punishment there. Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, uh, Jesse Ramian and Nathan Brown have all received fines for grade one charges. Uh, I was like, were you, Ethan Butcher and Dane Gagai have also caught fines for grade one offences and Josh Alloway. Oh my God, he's been fined for that. And we're so for Luciana Leilua. Uh, oh, they've had until 12 p.m. on Tuesday to enter a plea. Oh, man, Josh Alloy, that's ridiculous. Anyway, we'll get to that in the game. Um, I, I missed that in between all the other things going on. All right, Ash Taylor, who wasn't so much as dropped, but has responded well to a hip injection in a bid to be fit to possibly play his final game at the club. Um, that'd be... I guess, a, a, a positive to finish his turbulent career at the Titans. Uh, Kevin Proctor is playing through the pain barrier with an AC joint problem to be monitored this week. Clint Gutherson won't play against the Panthers after failing to finish the match with a knee injury. Uh, it looks as though Parramatta are going to be resting up to eight of their starting 13 next week, uh, which will be interesting. 
Uh, Nia Corey and Sean Lane both failed HIAs against Melbourne and will have to pass concussion protocols. Rabbitohs are set to rest several of their stars with Adam Reynolds and Damian Cook, um, both with niggles and wanting rest time, I'd assume. Jacob Saifidi and Mitch Barnett uh, will, are both looking to be rested by Newcastle. Jordan Ricky should be back for the Broncos. Matt Dury, unfortunately, saw this one live, suffered an ACL injury. Uh, did not look good at the time on the big screen. And we did see him getting a full leg brace after the game. Joey Manu underwent facial reconstructive surgery in Brisbane. Hoping to make a full recovery. Thumbs up on his Instagram page. What else have we got here? Ben Thomas from the Roosters failed at HIA. So he has to be checked in the lead up. Storm loss at Okada, a hamstring injury. He won't be sighted until finals. We've already talked about Valley Simonson. Tamane also in that game twisted his leg awkwardly and hauled off as well. Chad Townsend suffered an AC joint injury on his return for the Warriors. He'll be done for the season and safe half from the Tigers has avoided any serious damage to his knee, um, which is good news considering he only just returned that round from injury. Injury or suspension? Injury, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and he also tore his MTL earlier this year. So, fair bit of carnage there. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> in a mission so far. Yeah, no, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's a massive weekend as far as um, finals games and stuff like that. I'm just glad Newcastle are, are at a point where they can actually rest people. Like, come on, when have we been able to do that? Um, every round for the last, like, six years. Okay, so moving on from Adam being a dick. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, that's the end of hard hits. What are we doing? Are we going on to games now? Castle. Ah. Yeah, let's go to games. Yeah, cool. Uh, right when Jared starts his analysis, I hit the stop button. My bad. All right, yep. Go again. Intro. Let's go. 15 points to 14, Newcastle over Gold Coast. Um, Adam's a cheeky little duck for what he just did. Um, so One of the games I flipped the coin on and I felt justified enough for that <laughs> yeah, well, they, score they, line. Newcastle tried enough to lose. Um, this was uh, Mitchell Pearce and Caelan Ponga. Without them, Newcastle suffer. This was a... Um, I'll tell you what, the first try for Gold Coast, both thermal. Was, I know he's got through a pretty weak tackle, but it was a pretty impressive try he set up um, for Philip Sammy. But in this game, essentially, Gold Coast attack was stick Dave Fafita out on the right-hand side up against Bradman Best and Hunt him. and just tell him to create havoc as much as... It was actually kind of ironic because Newcastle should have went the same way as well and used Bradman Best to step around for Fafita, but he didn't. Fafita, they weren't... the thing of doing that, not attacking... I know, they, they don't give it to Best as much as they should. For some reason, they keep giving it to Barnett, who's inside Best. But what I was saying was, for Gold Coast, um, their attack was, because he scored that try two minutes from halftime where he ran through four of Newcastle players, which is quite impressive. Ran around two and through two, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just say there was a four attempts at tackles and they all yeah, failed. Yeah, okay, attempted. There we are. I like that. 
Um, they they didn't give him any ball in space. They kind of just gave him the ball. And the one time he did get the ball in space, he scored a try. That's exactly the what I was talking about, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, I know. The, the other times, it was like he got the ball and he caused carnage enough. It never worked out for him because they only scored the two tries. Um, they kept scores in the second half, actually. But it was... It was just weird that they had this weapon that Newcastle couldn't handle. But they were like giving it to him and just kind of hoping he's going to do something instead of creating a situation where you give him a millimetre or take 10 metres off you kind of thing. Like they weren't putting him in the correct positions. They were just giving – and it, it just – it, it kind of reminded me of how Newcastle used Bradman best. They kind of just give him the ball and go, mate, here you go. Like, I hope you do something. Win us the game. So, yeah, Penrith's attack was not flash. Um, on the other hand, Titans attack. Jamal Fogarty got a bit of a lesson on how to win a game at the end of the game. Win a game at the end. Yeah. Um, I know Adam wants to touch on something, but... What was funny to me was that they had Jamal Fogarty and Tyrone Peachy in the halves. Yet, in the last two minutes of the game, Patrick Herbert took the field goal, which I was a little bit surprised about because he, he must have the biggest kick or something because out of everyone in that team, other than the Fords, I wouldn't have expected this bloke to be doing the field goal. So, it was quite interesting. Um, yeah, everything you just said then remind me of I think we talked about last week or the week before with regards to Fafita, and I was defending him in that you can't just give him the ball and expect him to do everything. Like this is the NRL; that doesn't really happen. You've got to set him up. You've got to set your edge players up through the middle, and if your middle's not working, then the defense isn't collapsing inwards, which means your edge players don't have as much work to much space to work with. And Jamal Fogarty came out and said the exact same thing. At the moment, we're just giving Dave the ball in bad position, expecting him to do everything. And that's not fair on Dave. And then literally what you've said then was they're still doing the exact same thing. Uh, yeah. Their forwards have to roll through the middle first yeah. before you can flick it to the edges. And it essentially cost them a final spot with their tactics. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, Newcastle eventually won the game, which was great. But the Gold Coast, just by pure tactics alone, should have won that. Uh-huh. Um, they had so, the strike power. They had the size. Um, as I said in their preview, they had a, they had a, a better Ford pack overall. Like, um, and they still could not get over Newcastle. So, but Adam wants to talk something about something specific. Yeah, so a couple of things. Titans did score two points in the second half, but it was a penalty oh. goal, so they are forgettable. Um, I want to kick myself in the face first because going into this tip, I said, the reason I've been going the Knights the last couple of weeks is literally just because of their halves. And I said, yes, their halves are better in this, but the Titans' balance overall is better. Uh, when you add up the score, Clifford and Pierce are worth 11 of the 15 points themselves. And I'm pretty sure Pierce set up Ponga's try. No. No, okay, cool. It was the other way around, wasn't it? Ponga set up Pierce's try. Yep, sorry. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they scored 11 of the 15 points, Clifford and Pierce. So, I should have, yeah, gone with that just because of their halves. But anyway, um, the field goal for the Knights, and this is nothing against the Knights. They exploited this rule brilliantly, um, better than teams I've seen do in the past, actually. 
for the Knights field goal, uh, standing next to the play the ball was Kalen Ponga and also Brody Jones. And what number was he? Brody Jones was the third one, 14. I think it was one of the props, Safidi maybe. Um, essentially blocking the path of Sam McIntyre, who was a dummy half for the Titans and forcing him to marker. run around. Oh, sorry, yeah, he was at marker. Sorry, not that half there. He was at marker and forcing him to run around them in order to get pressure on Mitchell Pierce for the field goal. Now, there's a point even where Callum Ponga puts his arm out and half grabs onto McIntyre's jersey. Now, the issue I have isn't the players standing there. Sweet. If you stand there and stand still and hold the ground, they're not doing anything wrong. Um, the player can pick a gap and run through to put pressure on. My issue is that any attempt to stop players running through, like putting your hand out, even if you don't touch them and putting them out, it's a natural human reaction to work around that. That can cost a split second, which for a field goal is the difference. If you flip the script and Ponga does something like that in an attacking situation and a defender runs into his arm and falls over and claims obstruction, nine times out of 10, that try is coming back for obstruction. If Sam McIntyre had felt that contact and took a dive, I would be quite confident in saying Titans would have got a penalty for an obstruction based on Ponga. Now, People are asking, are they on social media, isn't forming that sort of wall illegal? And Luke Phillips, uh, ex-NRL ref, said, if you have two players directly in line with each other, shoulder to shoulder, and you literally form like a wall, as in a free kick in soccer, that's illegal. What the Knights did was stagger the three people on the side of the play the ball, which is technically legal because they're not standing next to each other which forms a three-person depth obstacle course, basically, for the runners to, or the pressure defenders to have to run through. So well done to the Knights for exploiting that rule and using it to their advantage, because it literally gave Pierce that time he needed in order, I reckon he was slotted it anyway. Um, what I would like to see moving forward is, to me, it's a pretty simple rule. If you've got a player in that position, they literally just stand still. Any attempt to put their arm out at all or leg out or turn the body or lean or whatever calls it an abstraction or call it the same as it would be on a try scoring play. That's it. If you yeah, want to get rid of the players altogether, no one in your team can be in line with a play of the ball. Uh, I, look, this is going to sound... If you're a Knights supporter, like I said, nothing against the Knights. My team would have well, done the same thing <laughs> and full credit to them. For what I'm about to say, like, this is going to sound obsolete coming from a Newcastle fan, but I honestly didn't see an issue with it at all. Like, it happens every drop. Every game, you know? that's what I mean. Every, every kick. Game. And it, like, and as Adam said, it's a score, score playing, uh, it's a point scoring opportunity, which everyone's blowing up about. Um, yeah, I, I just, it, it just, just another thing to find a tiny little thing to complain about, which is is NRL standard, really. And generally, your halves and hookers get paid the most money because they're the best players. They should slot these goals regardless of whether they've got protection or not. I, I just think you get rid of... Kickers are protected so much already. 
I hate the fact that defense can even go back and make a chaser adjust the line going for a one-on-one contest in the bomb. Get out of the way. Just let them run through and let the contest be one-on-one. No more of this blocking crap. They're good enough to be able to catch the ball one-on-one. Yeah. Anyway, Titans are now out. Knights are through to the finals. Another disappointing season for the Titans. I had them picked for the finals in eighth position, I think. They're going to get pretty close, but they'll fall short. And I think I had Knights as the team that was going to miss out. Um, They finished roughly where I had them on the table. So I feel half justified in that. I just had it the other way around. Um, all righty, moving on to a very weird game. So this was the other one to me was a flip of the coin. And when I checked the score with two minutes to go, I was like, yeah, I've got a chance of picking up a tip here because I know most of the people at work went Raiders. And it was 16 all with two minutes to go. And when I checked back, uh, Raiders won 28-16, literally scoring a try in the 78th and then <laughs> in the 80th minute after collecting the um, after Warriors not collecting their short kickoff. So Rapana not only uh, playing fullback, but also kicking in the absence of Jared Croker, slotting four out of five with rounds of conversions. One thing for a Raiders fan that I'd be stoked about is looking at who scored the tries. Nickel Cookstar, Youngster, Chris, Double, Youngster, Rapana, who you just re-signed, and Hudson Young. So the young guys outside of Rapana getting it done, which is always a positive to look at in a defeat. Um, Warriors started real fast, literally within the first minute of the game uh, to Sean O'Sullivan, Rocco Berry getting across in the 18th and Wateni Zalesniak getting across in the 23rd. The downside for the Warriors, they didn't score a point after the 25th minute from that conversion. They're up 16-6 at half time and Raiders... Considering early in the season, they were the ones who fell apart in the second half and couldn't score a point, uh, put on 22. Uh, you, you do say that, but they didn't score those last two tries till the last two minutes of the game. They did score two other tries, though. Like yeah. I don't know, They were literally at a point where they didn't score a point in the second half or four straight games. So I was actually watching this game pretty closely just to, because, you know, it affects the eight. Um, that's what I was interested in. Parker, what got me was the pure balls on Corey Horsburgh. So in the last, what, five minutes where Canberra are trying to set something up for themselves, um, he dropped the ball twice in tackles um, from this, in, what, incorrect ball handling skills. It was really quite bad and then People making jokes all over social media about the fact that yeah, she came to, came back too early from the Bulldogs and all this kind of stuff. But in the second last try they scored down the sideline, um, he was the one who got the ball from a low spot and threw the ball out wide for the um, to create that overlap. Hmm. So he drops the ball twice in a. Um, what do you call it? In, in, in play, trying to set up. Yeah. And then he throws this 10, 15 meter cutout ball. So the, the amount of balls on him, I, I was very impressed about his attitude and his um, ability to do that because a lot of people would have just went, oh, I'm out. See ya. I'm gone. This maybe, he's been, my... uh, maybe he's been talking to Jimmy Maloney. Yeah. And you know what? It was. It was good fun watching. I know I, I know I don't like him too much, but it was good fun watching um, 
Ricky Stewart's emotions during all this because he was clear he was on point during this game. He was blowing up on the sideline. He was just going off, and it was a lot of fun. Um, what was also awesome, and this is like completely lame to a lot of people, how freaking awesome do the Warriors jerseys look at night? Those dark blue ones with the V. That's, that's such a good jersey. <laughs> So stoked with it. I'm just watching, um, yeah, that last try that you're talking about there. Yeah, the no, setup Rapana getting across there. Yeah, yeah, it was real nice hands for Horsburgh, and he had to attract the defenders in before he threw that. If he'd thrown it early, they would have had time to shift. Yeah, um, it was really good. But insane. You can't give Rapana that much space, man. Like, he's been one of the best finishers in the game over the last decade. Yeah. So, uh, congrats okay. to the uh, Raiders. So that puts them into ninth position, keeps them alive in the finals. It'll come down right. to the last week for them. And um, that's the end of the Warriors season uh, mathematically now. And just to rub salt in the wounds for the Titans and Warriors, who both had their finals chances snuffed out, they verse each other now in the last round, yeah. um, which could have been worth something, is now worth nothing for either. All right. Second game on... Friday night. Now, this is going to be interesting before the game uh, in that Rabbitohs being uh, convincingly beaten by Penrith the week before in what we both said was Penrith's most uh, outstanding performance of the season. How are the Rabbitohs going to bounce back? Uh, Jared didn't think they were going to. I believe you tipped the Roosters. Yes. I did. I I thought Rabbitohs had too much in the tank to not get across the line in this one and they've they've handled the roosters quite well recently and yeah they 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 put him to the sword um in everything we're talking about joey Manu, we actually got across the stripe again for a try in the 16th minute but once everything had uh settled down rabbitos were pretty convinced in the end run away 54 12 winners now Latrell Mitchell getting a double, kicking two goals, uh, having a hand in, what, how many, three of three other tries? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, to say that they're going to miss him is going to be an understatement, or is yeah. an understatement. So, Okay, we spent a decent amount of time in this game. Um Next game was... Oh, I was about to say, we can't not talk about player of the round before we move on. So, Mark Darren Nichols. <laughs> yeah. 20, okay. 24 hit-ups for 245 running metres, 65 kick return metres, 94 post-contact metres, two line breaks. Um, we haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Uh, two line breaks, four tackle breaks um, to go along with two tries. So you can't be in the front rowers club anymore. Um, (laughs) But only 18 tackles made, lazy bugger. So (laughs) we're we're a big fan of uh, Mark Nichols. Old Dazza. Off contract as well. So if you're new to the podcast, every time we talk about team lists, Jared would call him Darren Nichols. 100% thinking he'd get it right each week, and every week he got it wrong. I'm like, it's Mark Nichols, not Darren Nichols. 
And it wasn't until we looked up Mark Nichols' Wikipedia page that his middle name's actually Darren, uh, which was quite funny. Or was it Darren's middle name was Mark? I can't even remember it now. Uh, It was ridiculously funny with regards to coincidence. And he did all that in 43 minutes. So to put a bit of a dampener on it, um, last week been a charger all year for the Rabbits. Um, you know, taking on more, let's say, fancied opponents for the, in the front row position and been stepping up and doing this shit. But the fact he scored two tries, and they were pretty decent tries for a front roller too, it's fantastic. Absolutely legendary. Yeah, to put a bit of a dampener on it, um, Rabbitohs were lost the try a couple of weeks ago with regards to one of their players being uh, down the field and having an oh, impact oh, on the play. Uh, that was actually Darren Nichols, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Marky Nichols. So that actually happened this week and it wasn't picked up. And it was actually Mark Nichols again that was downtown off a kick and was involved in a tackle um, despite being offside. On the next tackle, uh, Roosters dropped the ball. And then from the ensuing possession, uh, Rabbitohs set up and scored a try. So... They lost one a couple of weeks ago and they gained one back this week. Shows another example of inconsistency in <laughs> officiating and something that none of the referees during the game um, picked up on. So, hey, what goes around comes around, as Jared would say. Um, right, having so a look, next... this was, sorry, uh, in the lead up to Mark Nichols' second try, sorry, Tom Burgess was the one downtown and got involved in the tackle on Daniel Tupo. So that's the one that uh, to look out for if you want to have a look. Okay, next game, um, you got Cowboys versus Dragons. Adam had a pretty good... Okay. Things I want to talk about... Sorry, score was 38-26 to Cowboys. So in the press conference, because we're not going to spend too much time on this, both things relevant to the top conference uh, Todd Payton came out and I'll I'll see if I can find the exact quote for it and it legitimately sickened me Um, where is it where is it where is it the Dragons Um, fans talking about youngsters before for the uh, Raiders Jaden Sullivan Tyrell Sloan um, Zach Lomax picking up tries to go with the Ravalawa double i uh, got to be happy with that. And Cowboys, uh, Helium Lukey getting across for another try, hoping to follow in the steps of uh, an old Gavin Cooper in that of a try-scoring second row. But that will obviously have to come in time. Um, All right. So what, what he said was, um, I like Val Holmes at centre. I think that he's got a lot to be happy about playing in the centres. I think he's a genuine centre moving forward. Um, he missed six, six tackles in this game, but he thinks that Todd, Todd Payton thinks he saw enough to um, have him playing the centres um, moving forward, considering this bloke's a pretty good winger for Queensland, pretty half-decent right, yeah. fullback. His stats at centre in this game were one try assist, one line break assist, 11 out of 17 tackles. Mm. One error, eight runs for 61 metres. Not exactly flash stats for a centre you'd hope for. But, um, and then I, I, I don't understand. 
Really don't. And then on the other hand, we criticised um, Todd Payton moving Tumbalolo to the front row. So let's have a look at his stats for the thing. Are they pretty well standard for what he usually gets? Yep. Uh, two tackle breaks, missed four tackles, 19 runs for 209 metres. So he made only made 26 tackles. That's that's quiet for him. Um, I know we're not going to spend too much time. For fuck's sake, Todd Payton, don't change shit that's not broken. Like, come what? on. He's for, for an ex-forward, he's really struggled to get anything out of this forward pack. So I'm just looking through Tamalolo, 19 runs. Jordan McLean, 18 runs. The next highest was 11. And there was no one else who broke double digits in runs in the forwards. Like, literally, how do you go through an entire game and your second rows are getting, what, eight runs? Um, talking about Valentine Holmes in the centres, the fullback, both wingers, and the opposing center all ran for over 120 meters. Um, and so did the halfback, 162 meters. So I don't know what the hell Payton was watching, but Holmes was very much non-involved or a non-factor compared to those around him. Uh, yeah, for the just... Dragons, the upside is they scored 26 points. The downside is they led in 38. Um, but... I guess you know, like they're already looking forward to the future. Tyrell Sloan, uh, Matt Fangai, uh, Zach Lomax, Amone, um, all getting Jaden Sullivan, all getting time on the field at this level uh, is a positive. Freddie Lussick loaned over, put on a whole eighteen minutes, and it, it's very much a look to the future for the Dragons with their youth movement and the signings. Oh. Oh, I don't know. I'm still not sold on Griffin as the right person there, but if he's having a hand in these signings, credit to him. I'll give him credit for that. But I know if he's who I want right. with a whole bunch of youth coming through, but we'll see. Sharks, Broncos. Sharks winning right, this next one game. Um, also irrelevant. Oh, no, not for the Sharks, it wasn't. Um, this win keeps them in eighth position. For now, with a better for and against um, than the Raiders. So they still have to win next week in order to hold that position, you'd assume. Um, with the Raiders getting a slightly easier game based solely on uh, injuries. So this game, or this corresponding game a few weeks ago, was a cracker, and the Broncos ran away with that one in one of their better performances of the season. And this time, however, Sharks got the chocolates with a 24-16 win, eight-point winners, four tries to three. It's two weeks in a row where the Broncos have been outscored by a single try. Remembering last week, they beat the Warriors despite scoring four tries to five, but conversions didn't go their way. Uh, sorry, went their way last week. They didn't this week with Braden Trindle kicking three of four plus a penalty goal and Farnworth kicking two of three. What didn't help the Broncos were two Simbins for Flegler and Piacora, who we mentioned their bands earlier on in the show. Now, who do you think I'm going to highlight who had a cracker game? Moylan? Oh, I was going to say Will Kennedy again. <laughs> uh, 17 Moylan. runs, 192 metres, 49 post-contact, two line break assists, a try assist, four tackle breaks. Um Four tackles made, none missed. 
he's he's just had such a solid, exciting season, continues to play well, and consistency is the thing I'd be most excited about as a Sharks supporter in that you've got a safe fullback with class who can play both sides of the field um, in attacks, good under the high ball, sound positionally in defence, and looks to be a real leader on there. And I think out of their whole season, he's been the brightest spot. And um, I'd very much be excited having him at my club. He, he He's the only one out of all of them you can sit down and go, you know what, moving forward, I want you around, essentially, with the breakout stars they've had, the positional switches and stuff like that. Considering how much turmoil these blokes have with their contract negotiations and stuff, you'd think that the amount of players at Cronulla who their contract ends this year should be playing like him with the just a basic attitude. Um, yeah, he's the only guy having a crack at this. Well, I wonder team. if he's the only one having a crack. I think there are others in there. I'm just saying throughout the entire season, he's been the most consistent. Like Toby Rudolph's been great for him. Really? He has been a bit quiet the last few weeks. I still think Locke's his better position. I'd still prefer him at Locke and Williams off the bench as opposed to how it's set up at the moment. But, yeah, I'm I just so impressed by this kid. And for the Broncos, a uh, small matter of in 60 minutes, uh, Payne Haas putting up 253 running metres, like, I'm <laughs> talking about the Cowboys forward pack before. Holy Jesus. You look at the Broncos. Flagler, 13 runs for 109 metres. Okay. Payne Haas, 21 runs, 253 metres. The next highest yeah. starting forward was nine runs. Like, holy shit, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> TC Rabadi and Bullamore, 11 and 10 runs off the bench. Um, you, oh, there you go. You put... Bill, you put Bullimore and Rabadi together, that's 21 runs um, for 198 metres. Oh, I'm not surprised. And how many tackles did Haas make? That's fucking ridiculous. 112 post-contact metres, four tackle breaks, uh, Payne Haas, 26 tackles, zero missed. Yeah, that sounds like him. Okay, oh, next game, surprise. Perfect game. Surprise of the round. Um, Melbourne were defeated by Pembroke. Uh, sorry, not Pembroke. Parramatta was a score. 10 to 22. Uh, uh, 22. So things we took out of this game was that I feel sorry for any, I feel sorry for anyone who has to come up with Melbourne next weekend just because they are going to you. Um, then Parramatta have got to be commended for the way they've come back and especially since the last six weeks um, if they can keep their consistency that's the issue but with their form this is a complete turnaround I'm pretty sure sorry, the $1.09 to Melbourne and $13 to Parramatta so whoever if anyone actually put some money on them they would have got a decent payout for this one um, it was actually pretty, pretty funny. The last, in the post game um, press conference, they got Brandon Smith on the side of the field, and they asked him what was going to happen in the change room. And Craig Bellamy got on there, and he said he was genuinely afraid. And you can actually see that in his face about 
him getting spat on and yelled at and all this kind of stuff. Like, not actually spat on, but talking and spit and yelling and stuff like that. It's crazy about what he's going to do. Um, yeah, I like, whenever someone suffers a loss like this, you, you see how they're going to take it. But Melbourne, not, they're going to destroy who they come up with next. They're going to be refocused. They're going to get flogged at training. They're going to come out harder and better than they have been in a long time which is funny because their first loss in 20 weeks. Yep. Um, but it's actually really interesting because, and I'm re- going back to the media on this one. It, it's like that the media had pre-prepared um, news articles as soon as Melbourne were going to lose because the next morning or like two hours later, there was reports on the fact that Craig Bellamy is losing, has no idea what he's doing because he doesn't know what he's going to do between Grant and Smith and Hines and Pappenhausen. You know, he's got to make a decision soon. He's definitely made the wrong one by naming Pappenhausen to start with Grant's record and stuff like that. Guarantee you, if Nico Hines was playing fullback when they lost this game, Pappenhausen should have started. Same people would have written that article. They just switched their names in the article. Yeah, I know. It's just like it, it's like they had these articles they had pre-written up. They're like, oh, they're lost. Let's submit these ones. Like it yeah. was just insane. Like they win 20 games in a row and then they question his team selections. Like, yeah. calm your tits. Yeah. 100 percent Um, I think honestly, the biggest shock out of this was Melbourne was scoreless in the second half. Yeah. Honestly, uh, it was halftime, 10 all. Eels scored 12 points in the second half. And credit to the Eels. Like, I didn't think I'd be saying that after this game of all games. They got the win. And Storm, it has to be said, weren't anywhere near the team that we've seen. They looked mortal for the first time in quite a long time. Parrot made them play that way to an extent. Um, I don't think that all the mistakes Melbourne made were due to how Parramatta played. I think this was a combination of we've they've played extraordinarily well for 20 weeks and 21 weeks just proved to be too much. Like, what a horrible issue to have. But Parramatta did also influence the outcome in their line speed, their aggression, the lack of defensive inefficiencies, uh, which has been their Achilles heel over the last few weeks. But if you look through the stats, it kind of paints a picture as well. Like Melbourne Storm's 69% completion rate, 29 out of 42. That's not going to happen almost ever for the Storm. 90% completion rate for Parramatta, uh, 37 out of 41. Melbourne-led runs all metres, post-contact metres, line breaks, uh, average set distance, kick return metres. They led all attacking categories except for tackle breaks, which Parramatta pipped them by five tackles. Um, Kicking metres, Parramatta had the edge. Melbourne had the only forced dropout. But kick diffusal was a big one. Parramatta diffused 100% of kicks. Melbourne only 45%. And when it came to defence... Melbourne, 89.7% tackle efficiency, Parramatta, 87. So Melbourne had the edge there as well. In saying that, they also had more missed tackles, um, but had to tackle more. So when you add all that up, it shows that Melbourne statistically 
still came out in more positive areas than Parramatta so far. The difference was in negative play. 12 errors by Melbourne. Very rare you're going to see that. 11 errors by Parramatta. About their average, I'd say. Six penalties conceded by Melbourne, three from Parramatta. So when you add all that up, it shows this isn't or wasn't a typical Storm performance. However, Parramatta showed a hell of a lot of character and credit to turn around their recent form uh, to get the win here and put the pressure still um, on Sea Eagles and Roosters leading into the last round because all three of them are sitting on 32 competition points. Uh, the advantage for Parramatta is I believe they play later in the round so they can make the decision whether to rest players based on earlier results. Um, Parramatta supporters are very passionate base. I did see a couple on there saying Junior Paula Mitch Moses's man of the match performances prove all the haters doubters wrong. Um, I'm sorry, one good performance after six that you've just put in does not prove anything. I gave the team credit for winning. I gave them credit for having an input into how Melbourne played. Um, that doesn't change my opinion on them whatsoever. Look, we both know people close to this podcast. Paramount supporters are dumb. Um, okay. Why do you help? <laughs> I came. See, I bring the balance to the um, It's like, nah, you suck. <laughs> okay, next game. Um, very also was an early, another upset actually. So half time the score was uh, at one point of the game close to an upset. <laughs> half at one point of the game, Bulldogs were winning. That's as close to an upset we're going to look at on this podcast for the Bulldogs team. Like they were beating you at one point, and it wasn't in the first ten minutes when they got a sneaky try. That's sure you know we're up against you. Um, What's the final score? I even know they're up 30. Right. They're up 10, 12. Manly won 36, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in to your take on this one. This is our try rated Bulldogs. Well, I, I didn't mind Bulldogs defense compared to every other week this year. Mm. I'd actually had some heart, which was missing since um, Ding. Flanagan has got no confidence in his game. It's just really... And I want to actually do a bit of a shout-out. Some guy we haven't really spent too much time on in this podcast. Uh, Matt Dory. So, Tory's ACL in this game. Um, this bike, I rate him. He does have a crack week in, week out. He just... Um, He's in a team. like he, he seems like the kind of player Melbourne would pick up. Very unassuming, mate, high work rate, really good line runner, but he can't do anything with the people around him. But the biggest two moments of this game was when um, someone pulled um, Marty Powell's hair. Who? Joe Simpson. Simpson. Yeah, he pulled Marty Powell's hair. And when Josh Alloway kicked out of Josh Jackson's face, um, look, you say what you want about him when there's no one can stop Jack Heverington when he goes off his tree. Like, it took about five Bulldogs players to hold this bloke back when he was going off when this fight called melee started these days between Aloha kicked John Jackson in the face. Um, it, it didn't seem much, 
like, yeah, he clocked him. I called an accident. Call what you will. They got up, started pushing around, and Buddy Heberton flew in, and he is—he's just throwing his hands around everywhere. It was yeah. just like, holy shit! This this is like escalated five times worse than it should have. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So, yes, Adam, I got a few points on this one. So we went to this game. It's a fifty-minute drive from our my house. Took us two hours to get there because I didn't did consider take, the traffic going from Sunny Coast back to Brisbane because people that live in Brisbane. Addy? Yeah, Addy, I took my son and daughter, four and a three-year-old, and my dad. Um, it was Christ. it was grey sky and windy at home, so we packed beanies and drove. We got down the Red Cliff. I checked the forecast before we went. It's meant to be raining, um, so I brought an umbrella. We got there. It was pure sunshine. I have two rangers with white skin with no hats and no sunscreen. Um, oh, so, you got in trouble at home, didn't you? No, no, no. So we're under the umbrella because I brought an umbrella for rain. But anyway, no, so it was two hours so to get there Adam's traffic. kid, for some reason, had bright, flushing red hair. It's insane. Oh, not even bright. That's more of a strawberry blonde and an auburn red they're, hair. They're, 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 they're um, adorable children, but yeah, right. I don't know where the red hair comes from. So the plan was we'll leave two hours before the game, give us heaps of time, get the kids settled when we get there. Forgot about the traffic from Sunny Coast to Brisbane. So we literally got there two minutes after kickoff. Never been to Redcliffe or Dolphin Stadium, Morton Daly Stadium. Brilliant venue. Absolutely brilliant. Our seats were fantastic. You're so close to the action there. If you get front row seats behind the in-goal, you're a maximum of three metres from the in-goal line. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely awesome. And we had a great afternoon. On. We even got on TV. So if you want to see what we look like after, who was it? Olakatu's try, the 33-minute. Um, Ruben Garrett was kicking the conversion. And we were off center from behind the goalposts. I know he hooks the ball. So I'm like, hey, we're in a pretty good spot here. There was a big crowd behind the goalpost. Literally came to me just off to my right, caught the ball off the try, and the kids um, got to touch the ball uh, before we spun it back. Again, NRL, marketing ploy. Fans should keep the ball when they're kicked into the crowd. It costs you like 30 cents a ball. Anyway. Um, that would be them actually doing something for the fans. Yeah, I know. A couple of things I don't get with this stadium. Where the players on the bench sit faces directly into the afternoon sun. And it was freaking hot. Um, they would have seen any of the game and they would have been sweating buckets for 80 minutes. And that's kind of weird. Uh, but the rest of the same is brilliant. So I really hope Redcliffe get the license. Anyway, with regards to the game, being there live, there only felt like one outcome. Uh, Manly were dominant in it, it felt though, it felt like when you were there, Manly were dominant in every part of the game. Bulldogs had a 10 minute period before 25th or 35th minute where they controlled things. Outside of that, it kind of just felt like, all right, Manly will kick into gear at some point and they'll win. That's literally what it felt yeah. like being there. I was relaxed the whole time. I wasn't tense. And then I checked social media after the game and said, oh, Bulldogs took it to Manly and all this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Now, being there live, the Martin Power penalty did not know what that was for. You couldn't tell. Um, they didn't say it over the speakers. And then we saw being put on report. And then I looked up at the screen and he flicked his head. So I thought, we thought Joe Simpson's arm must have hit him around the face. And then we saw afterwards that he got put on report for pulling his hair. 
It's absolute crap. Like, I, I agree with Bossy in one sense here, and that's saying something. If your hair's that long as Martin Powers is, Stimson was going to wrap his arms around his torso and grab his hair. He let go after literally a second. Like, I'm going to be really crass here. If you've got a big cock and it gets grabbed in a tackle, um, that's going to hurt. Is that a penalty? No. I agree. It should be. Yeah, well, there you go. It's To me, getting... It happens to me all the time. If someone is, run, if someone is running through and makes a line break and you reach out and grab the back of their hair and rip them back, to stop them running through, yeah, okay, I can see a penalty there. In this one, where it was purely accidental and the fact that the hair was flicking up and he grabbed it as part of his wrapping action, that's crap. It's even crap then got put on a report. So I'm with you on that one, Bulldogs fans. The Josh Alloy one shitted me because being there live, it was 20 metres in front of us, 25 metres in front of us. Alloy, we were down on the fence at Redcliffe, it allows you to run up to the fence. We were right behind him, cheering him on, saying, run into him, run into him. He took off with a head of steam, belted in the line. It was brilliant. He was on the ground. He'd been tackled. Jackson then got up, jumped on him again as a second effort. And then, like, the kicking and stuff happened, and then everyone came in. Myself and the Bulldogs supporters around, we thought it was going to be a penalty to Manly for the second effort in the tackle. We didn't see the whole kicking thing because it didn't come up on the big screen. They just showed the melee. Then they called Bulldogs over. I thought they were going to get sent off for delay of play or something for holding down in the tackle. They got mentioned. And then Aloi got sent, uh, Simbin. And we we're all like, what the fuck just happened? And it wasn't until I watched the replay later that night that we saw it was for kicking out in the play the ball. Um, once you, got tack- once you get tackled, your responsibility is to get onto your front as quickly as you can and play the ball. If they're still holding on around your legs, kick, salmon jump, whatever you want to call it, it happens 20 times a game. If someone's going to stick their head down around someone's ankles after a tackle and get kicked in the face, that's on the tackle and not the tackle Lee, not those who got tackled. Um, I don't think he's going to have any case to answer, honestly. Anyway, even though Manly were down a player, it didn't feel as though Bulldogs were going to do anything in attack anyway, and they didn't. Um, Manly bombed three tries in the first half. It could have been a much bigger score. They got one back due to the bunker screwing up again. That was a knock-on against Rabojevic in the in goal. I believe Annesley's excuse was he rolled it from... It went from his right hand to his left hand, rolled along his stomach, down his leg but never disattach from his pinky before touching the ground. Oh, yeah, because that's how I watch rugby league. Um, it was a definite no try. But anyway, it wouldn't have made any difference. Manly had this under control the whole game, even though they played so poorly compared to their previous weeks, if that makes any sense. That's a feeling that it was there. And then just looking through the stats, 61% possession. Um, completion rate was poor, but Manly led runs meters by 700 uh, post-contact meters line breaks tackle breaks set distance kick return passing receipts total passes dummy passes uh forced dropouts kick defusal freaking tackle efficiency like i don't see where bull- people were saying bulldogs were in this people were saying bulldogs defense was good they had 37 missed tackles manly had 12 
Like, <laughs> I, I don't... Look, I didn't say it was good. I was saying it was good in comparison to the rest of the season. Bulldogs were as shit as they've been for the last second half of the season. No, no. they were. Okay. The only the only thing that helped it was Manly made eleven errors to seven, <laughs> and they made two okay. breaks through the middle. Okay. Like, I gotta say, honestly, the only thing that also helped is Trebojevic had a pretty poor game, and he still ran for two hundred and sixty meters and had three tries. <laughs> okay, next game. <laughs> Terry Evans was I actually fell asleep player during this by, game. by a fair way. Uh, I actually there. fell asleep during this game. You had 30 to 16 Penrith over the Tigers. Look, Tigers are fucking horrible in this game. Um, yeah, we didn't stay for this. We, we, we left and were in the car on the way home. So we listened to this one on the radio. <laughs> we, um, yeah, I, I, I had no, like I had it on the background. Mrs. was. I think she was drawing or something. I, I think I even fell asleep. Um, this game is completely irrelevant to the finals. Um, essentially, Pembroke is ready for game for his um, for the Tigers. But other than that, there was no real. They claim that as a positive, but other than that, uh, Tavita Pengai scored his first try in Pembroke Colours. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah Yo, I think I, I reckon their attack is based on him pointing where Jerome Dwight and Nathan Cleary have to go because he's always that link player, but he always always knows how deep he goes into the line to set up their outside men, and he's doing a really good job for them. Um, but yeah, Fisher Harris returned, he was very dominant. Um, Stefano Utukamano, yeah, that's a really good talk about again. He ran over Billy Army kick out at one point, oh, but brilliant. his stats, um, were really good on top of that. So they were, let's have a look here 15 runs for one try, one offload, 33 tackles, 15 runs for 120 meters. And he and he did that against a very well, what's the word? A retreating the, the best defensive uh, team in the comp. Yeah, a very dominant forward pack. And he and, he, and he's so young. Um I think he's New South Wales. So yeah. him and Payne Haas might be. It was New in South the it was in the third game squad. Yeah, so New South Wales are gonna have a pretty good front rotation, front row rotation moving forward with Payne Haas and Stefano Utukamano running moving forward. But I feel like him and Dane Laurie and probably Adam Dilly, the only shining lights of this Tigers team. Well, I think Jake Simpkin had a pretty decent season considering he was dropped that, early. And then oh, sorry, yeah, Jacob Little had a decent season. Yeah, maybe Alex 12, but no one really else has stood still up made, to this team. Yeah, still um, for 12. I, 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 haven't, I haven't minded Garner, but he's he's got that really... He, he's got that silly streak in him that he really needs to get out of his game and he it doesn't help him and it doesn't help his team what he's doing but you know um i think a few of those players have to get out of that tiger setup to actually flourish properly you know you luke garner you michael cheekham um yeah there's a few tom mckayley but he's just re-signed Time. Yeah, Mikhail, Sean Bloor, um, 
Tommy Talao. Not for Loomers is suffering. He has so much talent. He's just not getting anything on that wing. Um, and Alex I'll put in that category as well. That back row. But that's not incorrect. So for Penrith, like I said, they're just flexing their muscles and just going to bring out their best game. I think they're priming themselves for this final run. Um, yeah, just yeah. one thing I want to finish on in the best um, spot. before we wrap up is team selection. <laughs> so looking through that Penrith lineup, that's pretty much their full strength team that they can throw out there. And um, looking at Manly the, day, the game before, as close to a full strength squad as they uh, can put out there when it comes to injuries. Now, a player from the previous game, the Manly game, who I didn't give a share to, who you could really notice on the day, again, was Dylan Walker, and he's turning that interchange role into his own. I was trying to piece together their best bench, and then I was looking at the Penrith lineup going, you know what? Um, Stephen Crichton does a hell of a lot of things at fullback as good or better than Dylan Edwards does. And while he wasn't great his first two games, no. I'd trust Crichton under the high ball more so than Edwards. He's a better runner back no. of the football. He doesn't have the playmaking ability yet. Um, but I'm looking at Penrith's best back line. If they've got a um, better winger available, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, Charlie says. Yeah, but he's injured oh. or dropped. I hope dropped. Momorowski and is better. Yeah, I know. I want Momorowski and Crichton, but I I think Crichton's wasted on the wing. That's all. Yeah, no, I I, rate, I, I agree with that he's definitely a center though. Um, what you said about Dylan Edwards, uh, him safe from the high ball? No way. Dylan well, Edwards is safe anyway. Dylan Edwards is one of the safest blokes in the NRL under the high ball. Uh, He's got the most. Like, oh, most... actually, all right. I'll tell you what. Sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase it. He's Dylan Edwards is like a Darius Boyd under the high ball. Yes, he's very, very, very safe, but he's not going to create too much. We'll say that he has more tackle breaks. Um, has a lot of tackle breaks at fullback. Uh, I think Stephen Crichton is the guy you give it to to create something brilliant, not someone who's going to be able to do brilliant consistently as a fullback should. Mm. Um, I, I actually much prefer him in the centers um, just because he yeah, stays on that side. He's I like a Latrell Mitchell for too, me but... where you, you, if he, Latrell Mitchell, um, yes, he's very damaging unit fullback, but when he's at centers, he's just that lethal, com- lethal person you can give it to when you need to. And that's right. See Crichton as a player for that. Um, yeah, but what makes sense with Mitchell at fullback is he's a ball player. Um, yes, and Crichton is well behind everyone. He can't pass the football yet. Yeah, I know. I, I'd say I'd still prefer him in the centres, but you'd be then moving Momorowski or Burton. Um, which I'd I move Momorowski. Momorowski. I'd, I'd like Momorowski on the wing. It's either him or Naden. I, I wouldn't hate that at all. Naden reminds yeah, me of Ferguson. Go uh, Naden reminds me of Ferguson, where Ferguson is an athletic, great finisher, very strong, um, but you don't want him to think. You need to create situations where he's yeah. just on pure instinct. Yeah. Alone, because 
Ferguson's that, instincts then are you probably... have to, if you're going to bring Crichton into the centres, then to put Naden on the wing, who are you going to drop? That's what. That's the issue. Uh, to be honest, I'll, it, it, it's a it's a it's a thing that um, Cleary's got in his back pocket. The thing about it is, it just comes down to how you want him to play. So, if you want two very big mobile wingers to bring the ball back like you've got with Brian Tullo, you bring Brent Naden in. If you want a guy who's going to create something um, when he's got time on his side, you bring Momorowski on the wing. Um, it just depends how you want to play. If you want a pure finisher, Naden or Staines. It's just, it's just depends yeah, but you, what... But then where do you put Crichton? Crichton in centres. So you drop Momorowski if you're going to move Crichton to centres and bring Naden on the wing? No, no, no. Like I said, it's just there's three separate scenarios I just gave you. you just yeah, I know, but you if prefer. you're going to put Naden on the wing, would you be no, dropping Momorowski for Crichton? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Yes, but I would put... I Personally, I think their better backline is Momorowski outside Crichton, to be honest. Naden on the know, wing, Crichton at fullback, Edwards out. No. Nah. Okay, so, yeah, that, that's the wrap-up of this weekend. Oh. Um, it was oh sorry you actually led me into my point there and talking about oh. this and the manly side in that something i don't think rugby league coaches <laughs> take advantage of enough and i don't see this happening every week and you don't do it every week but picking specific position players um based on your opponent now when you're picking your team Number one, 100% of the time, you pick your team based on your team's strengths and you, how you want to play the game. However, there does come times where a certain person in a certain position will have a better matchup against your opposition. Now, the manly side that ran out there um, was only missing Paseca due to injury and he'll come in and, and then there'll be a decision between Carl um, Lawton and Curtis Sirenen for that bench spot. Um, but if Manly come up against Melbourne or if Manly come up against um, who's got a big centre, uh, say Manly were versing the Roosters, I'd want Moses Suley opposing Manu or um, Justin Olam over Brad Parker because there's no way 10 times out of 10 Parker's getting around to either Manu or Olam, there's a chance Sully runs over or through both of them at some point. Now I'm not looking at defense because they'll they'll be a wash when you compare Manu and Olam to anyone trying to defend them. Um, but I think Penrith have the opportunity here to shuffle maybe Momroski and Crichton um, with Naden, depending on who they do come up against. And I think Manley's in a position to do that. And I also think, well, if Rabideau still had Mitchell, they'd be in the position to do that. It's just something that I've noticed we don't do much of in the NRL. No. Um, I don't know. I know 100% agree with you. You tweeted me saying the one where Parker was held up three metres short of the line, so he would have scored on that angle, definitely. It's not yeah. stop, stopping him from there. But yeah, It'll okay. be interesting to see going forward. But yeah, so that's that's the end of that one. And oh. I'm sure we missed a few things. Thank you for your mates. 
send in something that Adam, you know, said wrong. I genuinely don't say anything wrong on this. So, so we want to, <laughs> um, I, actually send the most, I actually get the most hate, hate messages. No, oh. oh, I just, I just generate hate on social media. Um, <laughs> I, I heard literally half of what Jared said this whole episode, because we've been having technical issues the whole way through. So some of the recording <laughs> doesn't come through as well as it usually does. Um, we're sorry. It's also 10.30 on Monday night and we don't really have time to redo it all. And Thursday night, we do have an interview locked in um, as long as Newcastle aren't playing this week. So we'll give you some more details uh, with regards to that on Wednesday's episode where we look at the final team previews of the regular season. Night. See you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.